Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. I committed all this. That was the beginning. Like, you know, I need, like, a buffer. A buffer. Yeah. To just cut it and push back and, you know, get the audio level. A little bit take, of room. Um, yeah. Like 10, 15, 20 seconds. We're good. Okay. Go. Do your thing. All right. Do my thing. I've, I've already forgot what my thing was, David. Flat rate tech podcast. <laughs> just messing with you, man. You don't have to get so uptight. Hey, everybody. David here, and welcome to the 50th episode of the ASOG podcast. This week, we speak to the host of the Flat Rate Tech Podcast. On the 13th of September, 2021, he posted an episode where he talked about opening his own shop. Wanting to set the record straight, Lucas and I reached out to him, and what resulted is what you're about to hear. But before we get started, please take a moment to hit that like button if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you like our content, please consider subscribing to the channel. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure that you're set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. What's up, everybody? We are here with the Flat Rate Tech Podcast and Tech, which is what we're going to call him from the Flat Rate Tech Podcast. And just the other day, September 13th, right? Isn't that what we decided? He did an episode where he discussed owning his own shop and 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 the the additional money he could take home if he did own his own shop. So what's up, Tech? How are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I didn't actually get to hear that part where he said he was going to take extra money. I just heard <laughs> that he was, he was interested in opening his own shop, and I started laughing and laughing <laughs> and laughing. Hey, and so, then and then like fear struck in me, and I'm like, oh, I, I got to help this guy out. Yeah, like he's yeah, got to hey, know. He's got to know the, the reality. The I, I was telling him this story before it started. When I saw that he liked our Facebook page, I began to listen to that episode, and I was sitting on the toilet. And a few minutes later, I realized my wife is yelling at me and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, this guy thinks that he's going to make this extra money if he starts a shop. We've got to stop him. Um, it's really not that bad. I promise it's not that bad. But but you, you threw up some scenarios that I think are important to realize. And basically, you were saying, I, I think you said something like, uh, maybe it was you were talking labor on a job, right? Mm-hmm. And you threw out this equation that that currently a tech might make, you know, uh, generate fifteen hundred dollars of revenue for right. a shop and he might take home two hundred and fifty. Right. Right. And so in my head, I'm running over this and I'm thinking about the numbers that we hear from auto repair shops all over the country all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And And so my first thought is this is is let let's nail some things down. The average repair shop 
struggles to exceed 8% net profit. Okay? All right. Most of your really good repair shops might hit net 20, net 25. Right? Right. And so the owner could be paid. There's lots of variables. You can definitely earn a good living owning a repair shop. But my point is, is that the concept that shop owners are getting to keep that $1,500 is something that we see techs coming into the industry and starting their own shop time and time and time again with that belief. Right. And so in a way, I'm afraid for technicians who believe that, right? Let's just be honest about it. I'm afraid for them because the realization they come in and they they have two concepts or they have two thoughts that they automatically bring to the table. Number one is I'll be able to charge these people less. My boss man's really taking these people to the cleaners and I know what it takes to do this. I can charge them less and I can keep more of that money. Secondly, they don't realize how much expense is involved with owning a shop. So if you were to imagine keeping 4% of that $1,500 now, if you're a tech and an owner and you're doing both of those roles and it's a small operation, yeah, you can you can probably put a little more in your pocket than you would at a dealership or working for somebody. Right. But then you have to take into account the liability, the risk associated with that. Like if you run out of work, you're the only person you can yell at. <laughs> you can't just pick up and move somewhere else. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't just, you know, hit them with everything. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk we, we about need, this, yeah, man. Let's You're talk killing about me this over here. Well, well, no, I'm I'm setting You're crushing the, my dreams. I'm setting the preface to this, right? I guess my point is, and the reason I brought that all at once is because, in all reality, we keep seeing this. Yeah, but you know what the the reason why these techs are wanting to bail and and start their own shop overwhelmingly is usually poor treatment at their current location, right? Dealership or independent, yeah, whatever. Definitely. And they're either, they, the, and, and a lot of times it's, you know, the, the owner's pulling up in his nice vehicle and he's like, Hey, go wash my car. Hey, go change my oil, throws the keys at the tech or whatever. And, and I can see that I, I could see like the tech, you know, pulling in the, the brand new Denali and just muttering under his breath going, mother effer, <laughs> like I'm going to take home a piddly ass paycheck because there was no work this week and I'm flat rate. And you know, my paycheck's going to be half or 60 or 75% of what it should be. Meanwhile, I'm doing oil changes on the owners. Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop, and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, parts tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using parts tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using parts tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for parts tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with parts tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like parts GP optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. It's a car because we're slow. Right. And, and that's not the car I'm driving every day. And so I could see that's usually the scenario, right? And, and at least in my head, that's what I'm picturing. Yeah. And yeah, I, definitely. I've, you know, I've felt that before. I've been in like those situations where I'm like, oh, you know, you're, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a jealousy or whatever. Right. 
Right. For some people, it could be like, I'm going to, I'm going to strive to be able to do what they're doing there. Um, but for a lot of them, it's just, it's, it's, it's jealousy. And, and they, so they get into the situation and it starts to play in their head and they think, I'm going to be able to get out of this. I'm going to go open my shop. I found a little location. You know, I've got a little circle of friends and I've got a decent online following, you know, 1,000, 1,500 uh, Facebook friends or whatever. I'm going to be able to hit them all up and I'm, I should be able to get a few customers uh, and maybe even do inside work on the side uh, uh, in the evenings and on mm-hmm. the weekends. Is that a thing for you? Uh, it used to be. Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> so, so what, what, uh, what takes you from, you know, happy to be at this, uh, at this facility to screw this. I'm going to go open my own shop. Well, I've been with dealerships for a little over 20 years. I never worked at an independent shop. And at one point me and my buddies got together and we rented a shop, no lifts or nothing like that. It was just a 3000 square foot shop with a upstairs loft. It was pretty cool. But, uh, we had race cars. So we'd park our race cars there. We'd go to work. We'd come back. We'd just be there all night, just messing around. And then every once in a while we'd do like a customer car and we'd take, you know, 800 bucks off a job and it's in our pocket. And we're like, man, we should, you know, we should start doing this. Cause when you go to work, you're only making say 20 bucks an hour doing, you know, a transmission that pays eight hours, you know, so you only get a couple hundred bucks and you think in your head that the dealership's making all this money. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. that that's, that's how we think we're, we're only making just $20 an hour or whatever you make. And the dealership's charging these customers, you know, $200 an hour for you to go and fix this car. So you're Who's, thinking uh, they're making thinking all this 20 money. bucks an hour, 20 bucks an hour where Who's yeah, that, 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 that that's not me right now i'm saying but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back in the day say 40 yeah 40 bucks an hour. but it's just that's just how we think you know we're the ones doing the work it all depends on the boss that you have like i've had bosses yeah. where they were just complete assholes you know and they would just sit in their office and just sit in there crunch numbers while you're out there working your ass off and you're thinking i'm just making this guy money you know i'm not i'm only taking home a thousand dollars a week and I'm making them 8,000. So you're like, I can just go and just open my own shop. Yeah. But we don't really think about the little things that are actually big things, you know, that you guys know about. That's right. why I was curious to hear from you guys. What well, it not takes. Even, it's not even big things. It's like 10,000 little things. <laughs> yeah. I and bet you die from a thousand cuts. That's, that's what it ends up being. Yeah, and then like it, it totally depends on what part of the country you are too, because some part some parts of the country, you know, you just go outside and hang a, a sign above your garage, and you have a shop, right, right. And in other parts of the country, like if you don't have the right container for this and the chemical on that chemical, and it has to be, you know, and and you have to submit paperwork to the city, and you have to wait for approval. I mean, that stuff is a nightmare. Yeah, and you know, I. For, for what, now, if you're well capitalized when you first start, in other words, like I started with $10,000. I had saved up $10,000. I thought that was enough. $10,000 is enough. No, no, $10,000 was not nearly enough. Hmm. $100,000, now we're talking. Now I can get into a building. I can put a down payment maybe on a building that I'm going to purchase, or I can get into a, a good lease and I can buy my equipment and, and hit the ground running, be able to put a good marketing campaign together and, you know, get my, all my ducks in a row and be able to get good quality technicians very quickly and be able to pay them for a while while we get everything ramped up and then hit the ground running. Right. But instead everybody thinks, well, I'll just do the work myself. The problem is, you know, because you're undercutting everybody's price, you're going to get some people out of the woodwork. Right, and these right. Are the absolute. They've been fired from every other shop, and now they're coming. They're like that. They jump from brand new shop to brand new shop. That's what they do. Trust me, I had to deal with them. Like first two years, I'm open. That's that was my entire customer base because I opened with zero customers, and and these people like they they prey on you, 
And if they, and I, you know, I always feel bad for everybody. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it for that. And, hmm. you know, tr- trust me, it takes time. If you have to pay the bills this week, you'll take that, you'll take that job for 350 bucks that you know should be six, or maybe you don't know it's, it should be $600, but you'll do it for 350 because you just need money coming in. And, right. and so a lot of these people end up like they almost yep. hold you hostage and, you know, can you just, can you put my parts on this time? Can you just add stoply? Can you, you know, and you're, you're doing repairs that you don't want to do in a manner that you, you're not dictating the repair process and it's just cause you need money in the door. And so that's who your customers are for the first, however long, eventually though, you just, you start to get busy enough that the phone, the phone calls won't stop. You can't get any work done because you're just sitting on the phone all day. You're frustrated because man, I, I don't, I can't get my work done. And so your hours end up stretching. So where you were open like eight to five, now you're staying there till eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night just to get the work done. So you can sit on the phone the next day, the entire day. So we see this all the time in the shop owners group is do I hire a tech? Do I hire a service advisor? I just can't answer the phone any longer. And everybody tells them, raise your rates. And what are you better at working on cars or talking to customers? You know, decide whether you're going to do a, be a tech or, or a service advisor, but you need to shift your roles. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you like that. If you're, if you don't walk in with enough money, that, that ends up being your next two years. And it ends yeah. up and some, sometimes longer because some people don't get out of it. They end up going three, four, five plus years and it ruins marriages. You know, it alienates you from your kids. Like Absolutely. It, it can ruin lives because and, and, you and feel beholden is, to the customer. And, right. and you don't, you don't even have time to run the business, right? Uh, you know, we talk about it in just about every single episode in the E-Myth. He brings up the fact that the job of running a bakery is not the job of baking cupcakes, right? It's a different job. And so the skills that make us good at working on a car, right? Like the money aspect of it is probably the smallest aspect because the job that makes us good at working on a car does not automatically make us good at running a business that works on cars. Right. And, and, you know, something that, that you said that stands out to me just a minute ago is, you know, the owners back there crunching numbers. I, I felt very much the same way, right? Because I was, I was the tech, I was the service writer, I was the bathroom cleaner, the whole nine yards, right? Right. And so I came into this role and everybody was saying, look, dude, you have got to be at the helm of the ship. You, you cannot run the ship from the engine room. Get out of the engine room. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I need to make sure these cars are fixed right. And I need to make sure these clients are taken care of on the front counter. And the price is what I feel is right. Right. But really quickly, what I began to realize, and now I see other people in the same, in the same predicament, is that that is the most important job the leader has. Because if you don't know if the business is profitable, if you don't know that the business is sustainable, you, you know, I, I couldn't imagine working for somebody coming in and them saying, hey, listen, I am really sorry, but we do not have enough money to pay you this week. Ooh. Right. That that makes me sick to even think about it. Oh, yeah. I've been there. And and I, so and dude, I've bounced the text check. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, the, if the job doesn't you get to that point, man, I'm just telling you, like, yeah, I, that, if that job doesn't go out the door, paychecks aren't going to clear. And like. You know, like sometimes the OPEX account runs a little low, like it's running a little low this week, but I've got money. Like I will never be in that situation again. I've got lots of money stashed away, but I, I've, I've been in situations where I didn't have the extra money. Like that paycheck, that car was the paycheck and something yeah. goes wrong. That Absolutely. bolt doesn't come out or it breaks off or whatever. And all of a sudden you have to carry that car over and those paychecks don't clear. Like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and, and it's that's awful. my point. Like, it is awful. That right. feeling is just, it is the absolute worst. And, and, and I guess my point in saying all that is, is that that is something that, that not being at the helm of the ship, not being in the office, learning to manage the business and run the business. That's what that creates. And, and yeah, getting started, you may just be there no matter what you do, but you know, 
I, I guess it's this misinterpretation that that folks have that hey, I'm a great tech. I'm going to be a great business owner. Nah, <laughs> it's a different skill set. You have. I don't, to I don't think they think like that though. I think they think I'm I'm just going to keep all the money. I'm not even a yeah. quote unquote. I'm just going to go owner. out and fix cars. Yeah, I'm just going to go out and fix cars. the The problem though is when they get into their their facility. You know, it's like, okay, the electricity bill shows up and you cut a check or whatever and it goes out. Then the gas bill hits and the water bill, then the wastewater bill, then the trash shows up. And you know what? I, I need to look up torque specs. And I really liked all that. I'm going to look up all that. Hey, how much is all that? 150 bucks a month, whatever it happens to be. You're like, okay, well, I guess I'll call a check for that too. You know what? All that didn't have complete information or I, I really need to look this up somewhere else. Or, you yep. know, the wiring diagram doesn't show what I need it to show. I need OE wiring diagram. Who has OE wiring diagram? Oh, maybe I can look up Mitchell. Maybe it's, um, what's the other one? The one that uh, Tanner pushes. Oh, uh, MotoLogic. MotoLogic. Yeah. Maybe I have to use MotoLogic or whatever. But then you're like, um, maybe you're getting by with a baby handheld scanner or you bought your own scanner, but you know what? Now it's update time and that's $1,000, $1,500, right? Or you need some function on the scan tool that before, if you're at the dealership, you just went and got the OE scan tool where now you're like, hey, there's no function on here for the scan tool that the Snap-on guy sold me that told me to do absolutely everything. Oh, yeah. what, what the crap do I do? And you get online and you know get into one of these tech groups and like, I need this bi-directional control. And they're like, oh, I'll pick up on uh, an Autel. Well, which Autel? Oh, the $5,000 one or the $4,000 <laughs> one. It's like, well, okay, well, I don't have $4,000. I'm going to finance it. And then that's like, for me, it man, just, that got, yeah. that got me because it turned into, yeah, I need that tool. Okay. How much is it? It's $3,000. Well, I don't have 3000 in the bank. So you know what? I'll make money on that tool. It'll be fine. Let's go ahead and finance. You're making weekly payments and those weekly payments turn it from 25 a week to hundred a week to 300 a week to a thousand a week that you're making payments. And you're like, man, I don't <laughs> How did yeah. this even happen? <laughs> Meanwhile, you still have to pay for your house. Exactly. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're just talking shop, dude. And, yeah. We're just talking yeah. shop. Yeah. And and these little bills start to add up. And now and the, and here's what really got me. I didn't want to say no for two reasons. Why it was pride, right? I wanted to yep. be the I wanted to be the shop that they could trust and come to. And so I didn't want to tell them, no, I'm sorry, I don't have the equipment to do this. And I, and definitely not after I'd already gotten into the job, right. Or gotten into the, to, into the inspection or into the diagnostic process or whatever, where I have to call them and say, Hey, I just don't have the equipment for this. Or I, I just, I don't have the ability to do what I need to do because I just haven't made the purchase yet. So I, well, I would call the tool guy. I still do that today, but I'll, I'll call the tool guy and be like, Hey, I need this. And they would ship it over and then we would just put it on a finance plan or credit or whatever happens to be. And so that, that ate me up. So I didn't want to say no. And, and you perpetually think that you can make money <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll make money on this. No big deal. And man, you end up with a, a back room full of junk that you're like, well, I used that once seven years ago. Never used it again. I'm glad I spent completely, $800 on that. Completely irrelevant uh, now. It wouldn't yeah. work on anything. Yeah, it doesn't so, work on anything anymore. <laughs> so uh, here, here's my question for both of you, and and you know, not so much you tech, but but David especially is the the trap I found myself in. I did exactly what you're talking about, like to the T. I mean, it, it it's identical to to the first few years of business for me. But the the next big thing for me was is that I got in my head if I just fixed all the cars. Right. If I just fix the cars, I'm going to make money. Right. The whole purpose of having a shop is to fix cars. And so I got on this, this kind of tunnel vision, if you will. And the whole thing that I did every single day was try and fix all the cars in every car. And it wasn't until I hired a shop coach. No, I think it was you that told me first, maybe. I, I can't remember, David, but it, it's kind of like you realize when you fix all the cars, you're out of business. Right. Like when there's no more cars to fix, you're done for. Oh, well, that was the pride thing for me. Like you just, you just wanted to be the the man, right? You just wanted to be the go-to. Well, I get it. But, but the problem that, that I'm trying to highlight in saying that is, is that fixing cars doesn't make a business profitable. You can fix all the cars you want. You could fix a hundred cars a day and the business could still flounder financially. Yeah, absolutely. 
You know, it's not about fixing cars. It's about fixing cars profitably. And I think as a tech coming in, it's kind of tough because you, oh, you know no yeah, how you much no it idea. is to fix that car. You, you, and here's the, th- here's the thing that gets frustrating is like you, you don't know how to price things properly, right? Yeah. You have no idea how to price things properly. You, you think it, it looks right to you. You have no idea, right? Because you don't know the math behind the pricing. And even then, certain repairs just have a premium on them. Because of, you know, difficulty of work, the type of car, this, that, and the other. There's just, you have no idea though. You're just like, discount your knowledge because you just feel like it's not fair. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. Absolutely. You discount your knowledge. You discount your knowledge. You discount the equipment you just paid. The other thing too, I was going to say is you, you keep, you buy the equipment in, in the, because you want to keep the car there. And that's the other thing. You need the money. You're like, this should turn into you know, whatever you end up selling a hundred bucks in Diag and you're like, okay, well, I need the hundred dollars, but because I've already put time into this, right? I'm already 30, 45 minutes, an hour into this Diag and I've hit a brick wall where I need a piece of equipment to go further. And this could turn into, cause I think it's this, right? This could turn into a five, six, seven, $800 repair and I need the money. So I don't want this car to work out the, walk out the door with me unable to service it properly. So you absolutely go out and buy whatever crazy piece of equipment you think you need uh, in order to make the determination to then be able to sell the work to the customer. Not not a lot of shops do that. Some shops just guess because they don't have the equipment. They don't have the knowledge and they just guess and they end up ruining the industry perception for the customer because they think everybody does that. No, no, no. We don't free do that testing here. for everyone. Yeah. It's, a, it's not even the free testing because even if you sell diet, what I'm just talking about, you know, not being able to, to present to the customer an evidence-based plan or an evidence-based repair. It's right. just like, well, I can't verify that that part's bad because I don't have the equipment. So I'm just going to tell them that's what it is. Or, you know, uh, Hey, I'm going to roll the diag into the repair. Cause you, you just wanted to get it out and look at it or, or, this may have happened once or twice or 50 times. You throw the part on there and hope it fixes the car. And then afterwards, hope they'll buy the repair. <laughs> right. And then have <laughs> and to go, take hey, it back that crank sensor or... turned out to be bad. I, you know, I know for sure it's bad. This, if the car will start and run, it's $500 to do. Ah, uh, I don't have the $500. I'm just going to tow it back to my house. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> Why would you bring it to me if you weren't going to fix it? Well, I thought it was going to be like $200 to fix. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, so, so here we stand. We're 23 minutes in. I have heard tech mumble in his head three different times now. You know, I don't know, guys. I don't think that's such a good idea. Um, well, what, what it, are the positives? And, and tech, tell us your, tell us your thoughts, right? You're from the outside looking in, you're hearing us ramble and rage on about how horrible it is. What are your thoughts? Well, you guys are definitely dream crushers. (laughs) (laughs) You know us well. (laughs) You must be a listener of the podcast. Uh, You know, I'm coming at the perspective of a technician at a dealership. I've never worked at an independent shop. So I'm used to having a service, a uh, service manager just, you know, constantly, we need this, we need these numbers. We need to hit these numbers. You know, every week you're just getting berated with how you have to hit these numbers so he can make right. his paycheck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've worked with guys that would literally get their numbers and then come in with new cars, just like you were saying earlier and just pull it on in the shop. You know, and then the, the, the technicians just get frustrated with that. And that's, that's when they start thinking, maybe I should open my own shop. Yeah. Right. You know, but like I said, we don't think about the stuff that you guys are talking about. Like, you know, should I buy an existing shop? Should I, uh, I don't know that if I were to go back and do this again, and I just got it in my head that I absolutely needed to open a shop. I would probably start looking for a mismanaged, well-equipped yeah. shop right. with a good location and Absolutely. then try to I buy it so. on the cheap. Yeah. Well, you know, and 
I think we all push for numbers. But that's relative, so much by data. the way. Sorry, Lucas. That's relative, okay. by the way. The cheap is still, you're going to need like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 just to put down to get the loan to then, and then you buy may not the, even get yeah. the loan because they look at the business and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. Well, here's the thing is that I think that every owner eventually gets to the point that they push their tech like that. Now, I, I do mine for a different reason. I push really hard because they're taking care of very well without their bonuses. Yet, I like for them to get their bonuses. I like for them to earn more. I like for them to see what they're capable of, right? Right. I like for them to meet their potential because they feel better, right? You can truly see a difference in their morale and their mentality when they see what they're truly capable of. We drive and we push each other to be the best we can be. We, we train hard. Um, we work hard. We play hard, right? That's just how we are. And, and so I don't think there's anything wrong with pushing numbers as long as the team is rewarded for pushing numbers, right? I think that's important. But, yeah, but he's on flat rate. Like, yeah, he's going to get rewarded bullshit. because it'll be more. That, that's complete bullshit. You know what I think about that. I the flat that. rate thing? Yeah, yeah when I it's slow, that. but when it's like, it's all, it's all R&R work coming in. Like and he said he gets all gravy work. <laughs> I'm not doing bad. I'm not complaining. I like flat rate. I've never been paid hourly. I couldn't. I, I If I went to work and just made 40 hours and worked my ass off mm-hmm. during those 40 hours, because you when you're flat rate, you feel like if I ain't got nothing to do, then I'm going to do whatever I want. Right. I'm going to sit on the toilet and watch YouTube videos, you know, in the air conditioning. Right. But if you're hourly, you feel more like a slave to the dealership. I, Maybe that you, know, you have to be doing something all the time. Really yeah. interesting point. Really interesting point. I, I don't know if you guys have seen this and, and it was actually in a used car dealer uh, group on Facebook and the owner of the used car dealership um, was looking for toilet seats that were super uncomfortable <laughs> for vent back. Yeah. Swear yeah. to God. <laughs> like he wanted to make sure that the toilet seats were uncomfortable. I, I've never seen somebody like specifically request what's the most uncomfortable toilet seat you could find. I that that was fascinating to me. I couldn't understand why and I guess I know now, but I believe it, man. You walk in the bathroom, you see the same shoes. You know what I mean? <laughs> same shoes. Every time you go Every in there. Time, yeah. You go wash your hands, you come out <laughs> You work on something, you go back in to wash your hands. That guy's still sitting there. <laughs> yeah, shoe buddy, shoe buddy, <laughs> shoe yeah. buddy. Yeah, but here's the thing: like, I so we don't we don't push nearly that hard. That's a lot of work and a lot of stress. The only reason why I would push to try to get something done is, especially during the week, like, hey, let's get this done. Let's get this done. And I, I shouldn't say that. Like, I come in in the mornings especially if we're busy and I know that we've got a bunch of appointments coming in, we got to get these inspections done. I need to get them processed and sent to the customer. So we're set up. I come into the morning wired and like, I'm ready to rock and roll and, and I'll start pushing. Uh, you know, I'm on top of everybody. Let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. But it's never for the numbers. It's always because I, I don't want to upset the customer. I don't want to give them a bad experience. I want to get the car back to them as quickly as I can feasibly. Right. Right. But as, you know, as approvals start to come in and the loaners start to go out, I tend to relax and go, get sun when it gets sun. But that that first rush of cars, I'm pushing, pushing, pushing. But it, I, I don't think I've ever, I've ever pushed just to hit some arbitrary number that, you know. Eh. I, I could see it differently as an independent shop because you're more of a tight-knit family. You're yeah. the owner. You're there. You guys are buddy buddies, you know, with your techs and your advisors and stuff like that. But when you're at a dealership, it's like, you're just a number. Like I literally have a tech number and that's what I write. I don't write my name on the RO. I put my tech number. Oh, geez. So you you're just interested? a number. <laughs> Does it appeal to you to be part of a family like that? Yeah, that was going to be my uh, question. I mean, I, a, a team a team is what you want to work with, obviously. Yeah. But when you're, it depends on like, I'm at an American dealership now. So we right. all get specific jobs. 
Somebody does mm-hmm. transmissions. That's all they do. Somebody does engines, you know, stuff like that. I was at a foreign dealership before and everybody did everything. Right. So if you're buddy, buddy with the dispatcher, you'll get the gravy work. You'll get the timing belts, the brake jobs and stuff like that. Well, the guy he's not buddy, buddy with gets the rattles and the squeaks and stuff like that. So I couldn't see that happening when you have a really tight team at a uh, independent shop where everybody actually works together. You're right. not just and there we're to all make just trying your own to, money. Yeah. We're all just trying to solve the problem and we pass it back and forth and we're like, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you, you know, we all work together. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I had a tech that had to leave early today. So here I am, I'm the owner crawling underneath the vehicles out on the deck in the pouring rain because that's what the owner does. That right? doesn't, that doesn't well, happen at the dealership. I'm going to tell you what, I will not ask anybody in my facility to do something I wouldn't do myself. Right. Right. Yeah, well, most mornings you find me cleaning the toilets, <laughs> you know, that, that's sort of that I can see the appeal of having the anonymity to be just a number. And, yeah. and there's yeah, that's interesting. I agree. It, it's almost, well, I mean, it creates callousness almost. And I'm not saying that about you in particular, but I'm just saying like, it could definitely create callousness. Like, if you don't have some, almost a, a connection with the customer, you don't, you know, it, it's easy to just, I don't know, could not duplicate. There you go. Hand it back. And, you know, the, the service advisor has to deal with it and I'm not going to deal with this any longer. You know, I t- right. test drove it. The noise wasn't there. I don't know what to tell you. And then there you go. Out the door it goes. Um, and I, and, and there's no, I don't know, maybe I'm over uh, empathetic, but. You don't have to deal with that. You don't have the owner coming in going, look, some little old lady, she insists it's there. Can we put a little bit more time and effort into this to try to find the noise? Do I need to come in and like sit in the back and bounce up and down? Let, let's figure out what, what we need to do to, to get this uh, inspected or diagnosed. You're not going to get that at a dealership and that's almost appealing. You're like, eh, if it comes back, it comes back. If not, it is what it is. Because it's about the numbers. Yeah. Not about people. Right. It's just about numbers. And it all depends on the director that you're working for. Some of them, they won't come out there and work on the car, but they'll actually make the shop foreman come and help you. While others just say, just fix it. You know, just just fix it or do whatever you can. Then you got, you know, inexperienced guys just throwing parts at it. Because we don't think about how much these parts cost or if this car comes back, you know, it's not really affecting us. We got paid already. You know so, what I mean? So let me ask you this. You're paid well, right? Right. And you seem pretty happy with the configuration that, that is your shop right now. The one I'm at now. Yes. Right. Why? A, why would you go and start your own shop? What What's the primary objective behind doing so? And B, what do you think's wrong with our industry? Ooh. <laughs> uh, the reason I would start my own now is just to do my own thing, basically. You know, right. fabrication, race car stuff, and servicing vehicles. And to be able to promote it on social media. And stuff like that. Like right now, you see a lot of guys that were dealership technicians. They quit. Now they do their own thing. And they're just blasting it all over social media. So they get a lot of a lot of views and followers and stuff like that, which generates income mm-hmm. through advertisements mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Hold, hold on, hold on. Time out. <laughs> 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 no, no, it does not. Okay. You don't think you, so? It is. No, 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 I'm not. not, not I don't. It's not a think thing. I mean, I'm just telling you right now that if they live on social media, they're trying to get that one car, which they'll get in, they'll fix, and out the door, and then they live on social media till they get the next car. Right. Right. All right. those guys blasting, like you know, just constant, constant, constant live videos, this, that, and the other. They're the reason why they're doing that is they got nothing else to do. And maybe they're just like being on social media, but they got nothing else to do. Look, busy shops don't have time to sit on social media. Busy shops hire people to get on social media for them 
or they get, you know, they hire a marketing agency or whatever. And that's where you see the, the generic posts and all that stuff there. That's because they're busy working on cars. Right. Guys that are all over social and media and they the business and yeah, they're, they're running the business that they, they, maybe they do some aspect of the marketing, but they're busy. I, I think he was saying, I think he was saying though, that, that through sponsorship or through, you know, the, just having a video of something cool. Yeah. Know, it's, it's more of on the racing side, not car servicing side. Uh, okay. I Fabrication, side, you know, sure. stuff like that. I, that. That's what I mean, but. I, that, I that's think more your world, Lucas. I mean, did when you were well, were doing diesel performance stuff, were you taking videos of all the black smoke coming a, out and burning up the back wheels? And did you do there, all that? There were a few, but I mean, at the time, social media really wasn't what it is now, right? Yeah. And and when I began to transition out of out of performance is when I actually started making money, and and that was kind of my next point is that a lot of folks come into shop ownership saying, Oh, I want to work on what I want to work on. I I want to build fast cars. I want to build fast trucks. But the reality is, is, is a, you've got a different clientele. You've got a clientele who has already done research and they already think they know what it takes and how much it should cost to do that. B you've got a clientele who might be willing to pay you to do some of this stuff, but when it comes to fabrication, when it comes to performance, to do the job that you need to do and be profitable, most builds you're talking over a hundred thousand bucks. Oh yeah, right. I mean, let's be real about it. You're, you know, a a true engine job that you're going to build in a performance sense, and you're going to drop it in a car and put it in, make it look neat and clean, and clean the car up and get things situated in it. You're probably talking two to three weeks. Right. I mean, that is a fortune in labor time. You, you, the only, the only true valuable thing you have to offer is your labor inventory. Right. And, and I think that was such a powerful thing for me to learn is that you have limited labor inventory. And see, I was the guy who I came in here and I liked fast diesel trucks and I wanted them to be perfect. Right. So I was paid to put a crank seal in a truck and then, oh, and that valve cover's leaking. So I'm going to fix the valve cover and, oh, the tappet cover's leaking. I'm going to fix the tappet cover. Oh, I hear that little bit of noise. Let's rotate the top. You know what I'm saying? Right. Next thing you know, I've got 40 or 50 hours in this thing and the truck is amazing. Right. It drives better than it's ever driven before, but I didn't get paid for any of it. Right. I did it because I wanted to do it. I did it because I enjoyed doing it. And I really liked providing this killer product. But when I began to talk to them about charging them for fixing those things, nobody wanted to pay for that. Mm. They all wanted perfection. They all wanted a badass ride. But nobody really wanted to pay for it. And and the thing was, is the majority of the clients were not your middle-aged or older gentlemen who want a badass ride, right? Because they'll go buy something new that's under warranty and they'll take it back to the dealership and say, fix it. Yep. Um, they were young kids. And so I saw that the performance world just wasn't profitable. I'm sure there's people who make it profitable. Cash Chode is a, is a fantastic example. He does all kinds of performance work. He's got a shop. He's got an engine building company that does performance work. You know, he took it and ran with it. Garrett Shields, we talked about him in one of the last episodes. Same thing, right? Made something from the performance world, but it's not the image that most folks have for it. Does that make think, sense? Yeah, definitely. I think if you're if you're well capitalized, if you've got a good chunk of money and you can and you're really good with social media. Really good with social media. I think you could make the performance thing work. You wouldn't be making money from performance. You'd be making money off of TikTok and Instagram yeah. and YouTube. Yeah. Because you'd like, I don't know how many times my tech pulls up a, a, some performance video and, and that's what he's watching. I'm like, these videos are so stupid. And he's like, well, look at this awesome, whatever, this LS that they built and they stuck in, the, in this thing here and this, that, and the other. And and he's like, "Oh, we should do more of that here." <laughs> like, you're not <laughs> that 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 guy is not making money on that build. That guy's not making money on That's any true. of that. Yeah, he's making money on the ads that you're watching. Yep, that's it. 
Like he's going to make a few thousand dollars on this video and a few thousand on the next one. And, th- and that's how he's going to pay the bills. And, and I guess that'd be okay. But if, if you talk to the Diag guys that are on YouTube, like, like Mario Rojas and Cody, I mean, it takes hours to edit a video and then put it up on YouTube and then hope it gets views. I mean, you, they, these guys do it as a labor of love. They're not making, they're not making huge amounts of money on YouTube. Maybe they will at one point at someday they hit, you know, a hundred thousand plus subscribers, but this is a hella niche. So yeah. <laughs> it's only like Mario hit 10,000, I think subscribers the other day. Yeah. That's all. Um, I mean, that's wildly impressive. Trust me. I've been dealing with a YouTube channel for almost a year. <laughs> I don't think we've hit a thousand subscribers yet. It, it's really hard, especially something as big as YouTube, but even if you wanted to do something on TikTok or whatever, um, it's a ton of work. It is a ton of work yeah, on top dude. of having to do the actual work of fixing the car. You're doing I, I pretty much video production had, with the yeah. side of fixing cars. Because you still have to fix the car at the end of the day. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you you'd have to hire exhausted. somebody to do one or the other. You'd have to hire more than one person because you're yeah. going to have somebody shooting to check the lighting and this, that, and the other. And I mean, you can do the shaky cam thing for a while, but eventually like that, that doesn't scale. There's a, there tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of channels out there on YouTube where there's, you know, 30 subscribers and the guy has 45 videos on, on his uh, YouTube channel. And it's all like shaky cam diagnostics. And it's like, dude, you know, get a tripod, just, <laughs> just start there. And, and the reason being that they're diagnosticians, they're not, they're not video producers, and so they don't know how to edit. They don't know how to, you know, what kind of lighting and, and color grading and, you know, how to, how to make your cuts properly. So it looks nice and smooth. Like you don't know how to do any of that. That's more work. That's like another skill set they have to learn. Some of them push to get it done. Like I think Mario's videos are very good. Um, yeah, I like but there, there are lots of, of them out there that are not at all good. They're awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's good information. They, they're fantastic text, but man. I don't know. I just they're unwatchable. Social media is tough. It really is. It truly sucks. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. Can't say what you want to say. People look at you funny. Everybody wants to argue. I don't think that has anything to do with social media. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. What do you guys? What do you guys think the future is of this business? As far as keeping techs and getting new techs. Um, I think for the I most part, a, we're screwed. Yeah. I, I, in a lot of ways, I kind of agree with David. And I think, I think the challenges we have or, or we're up against are in some ways insurmountable. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the, the common themes that we've had here on the show is why do good techs stay at bad shops? And why do, Good shops keep hold on bad hold on. techs. Well, they keep bad techs because they need to pay the bills, and the yep. techs pay the bills. But the the reason why a lot of good techs stay in bad shops is because they don't have a lot of options. So we we opened up Lucas, right? We opened mm-hmm. up and reached out and said, "Hey, if you're tech listening to this, and you want to get out of a bad shop, you want to find a better opportunity." And a, a lot of techs listen to the podcast and I'm very happy about that, but some of them idealize what it's like to work at my shop and what work, what it's like to work at Lucas's yeah. shop. Just yeah. looking at Lucas's setup, the way his shop is laid out. I mean, his new shop's going to be gorgeous. It'll be Taj Mahal, but now you're like, eh, it's, it's got to go to the upstairs bay and you got to push it up this, get out of here. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Tough. And at my shop, you know, uh, We've got our challenges too, trust me. So, um, you know, it, there, there's good and bad everywhere, but I think a lot of, for a tech to want to move away from a situation where the, the ownership or the leadership within the shop doesn't give two craps about them. And they're like, you know, I want to be something, I want to be part of something bigger. I want to build something bigger and, you know, become a better technician, but have it grow within the entire organization. Uh, I've had a bunch of techs reach out to me asking for just that. They're like, Hey, find me a shop. I need to get out of here. This, this 
owner yeah. will not buy a scan tool. I've already bought my own. We need it. We need to upgrade. They don't want to pay for the, for the update. You know, I, I'm they're They're getting mad at me because I'm unable to diagnose vehicles and they're not providing me the proper equipment. I don't want to go back to the dealership. I want to find an independent repair shop that, that appreciates what we do as technicians. Okay, right. great. No problem. That's fantastic. I'm glad you reached out. So then you start reaching out to some shop owners. You're, you get on ASOG and, and you'd say, hey, I got a technician ready to move 30 mile radius of this town. Somebody help me out. Flipping crickets. Yep. I get nothing. And if I do happen to get somebody who says, yeah, you know, I'm looking for somebody, you get on the phone with them, it's a thousand questions. How much, how many hours can they produce? I have no idea. Uh, what kind of experience do they have? You know, they, they Toyota, Lexus, they're Toyota Lexus certified. They've got their A1 through A8 AAC certification. The guy sounds smart as hell. Why don't you give them a shot? Like, go just have a conversation with them. Ah, man, I don't know. I guess, you know, maybe I'll just talk to them on the phone and feel them out. These shop owners have zero zero interviewing skills yeah. <laughs> they have no idea there's no idea what to ask how to identify talent how to see potential they haven't taken any classes on it they haven't tried to take classes on it there's 10 billion books about it just don't do amazon but bars and noble or whatever <laughs> like get on there and just look up and read three or four books on interviewing they haven't done any of that but they think they can sit down and have a just casual conversation with this rando tech who is reaching, he's hurting, you know, we need technicians in good shops and maybe the guy runs a good shop or the gal runs a good shop. Maybe, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Yeah. But that's the, the they take a, a laissez-faire attitude towards it. Like, oh man, you know, we'll see. Haven't you been looking for a tech for a year? Well, yeah, <laughs> but you know, what the crap, dude? I, I just gave you a flipping layup. Like, lay it up. Burnt, what are you man. doing? They've been burnt time and time again. No, no, but this is, like, this is different. Like, I'm sorry. This is not the tool guy saying, hey, I know a guy down the street. You know, this is not the same thing. The, you know, these are engaged technicians. They, they're sending me, like, a decent amount of information about their abilities, their technical knowledge. Like, holy crap. If I got that resume these texts that are reaching out. If I got that resume and they were anywhere in the Kansas city, I'm going to find some room for them or, Hey, you know what? I never really liked you. You got to go. Hey, new guy. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that. That's awful. But I'm just saying like, it's different. It's absolutely different. And, and you know, you try to explain that to the shop owner. I've tried to get on the phone with these guys and explain to them, look, we're doing this podcast. It's, it's decently popular and lots of technicians are listening. These are the most engaged technicians in the industry. These are guys that care about their craft. They're trying to get better. They're trying to learn, right? Cause you can see it in the comment section of the YouTube channel and right, Lucas. I mean, you can, Absolutely. you, you reply to 90% Absolutely. of them. You, yeah. you see these comments in the, you and, and some of them are, are, are old timers that are out of the industry or some people that are just interested in the automotive industry, but a lot of them are young, hungry techs and the shop owner's like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, holy crap, dude. Like we're trying to do a paradigm shift here. Like, what are you doing? Help. No, no, they don't want to help. You know what they want to do? Get on Facebook and bitch how they can't find any flipping techs. Well, you know That's what? It. Screw you. You're going to end up choking out and dying. Like every other shop that can't find techs and keep techs because they haven't put any time and effort into learning how to be a better manager or learning how to take care of their people. They haven't put any effort. It's a skill like anything else. You have to learn yeah. how to get, do it. And then Absolutely. you have to practice it on a daily basis to get better at it. I wish and a, they don't uh, do it. I wish a, uh, dealership service director would speak like you just did and have that common sense. Oh, I, I can't speak to service directors, but I'm, <laughs> I'm calling out these flipping shop. Owners. <laughs> I get so frustrated because I'm like, really, really no comments. And then, you know, then you get back on there and you're like, really no comments. Then you get back on there and blasting everybody like, Hey, 
tag this person. Hey, tag this person. Didn't you just post that you needed a tech? Didn't, aren't you within like 15 miles of this tech? Like what the crap, dude? No, nothing, nothing. Oh, well, Crickets. you know, I'm, I'm not looking for that kind of guy. Like maybe he's too expensive and this like, yeah, they're going to be expensive. It's a freaking tech market. Like what do you, what have you been paying attention to for the last like five years? You think right. you what can you dictate expect? the salaries? Yep. Like, no, you're not. If you want like a level text, you got to pay a level prices for your area, by the way. And so yep. it is what it is. Dude, the, the guy's going to make you more money than you're going to pay him. That's just the way it is. You're going to, you're going to make sense, more money, right? Common sense. Yes. The guy it's costing you 30 to 40 to $50,000 a month, not to have them there. Right. Yep. You're not paying them that the guy's not making 300,000 a year. So just get them in there. What say you tech? That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> not a number at the independent shop, right? That's it. That's it. But so I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying like the, these, that's, that's why I'm saying we're screwed because even, even if you try, uh, or like Jay Ginnanen, like he's, he's trying to do the recruiting service, but in the episode you had with him, uh, Lucas, he said it himself. Like there's a lot of shops out there. I can't send people to. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, like I, I can't, I can't send you somebody like you're not, you're not a shop I can send. And that's that that's going to end up being the majority of shops. And the only thing that's going to get these shops out of business, these, these garbage shops out of business and not, not like dirt floor shops. Like they're just, they're just garbage people. And that's it. the only thing that's going to get them out of business is the tech pool drying up for them. Exactly. For, you know, and, and that's the thing is, is that I think techs have to stop, um, you know, when, when they pretty much walk out. Right. I think that's when that happens. And I understand why they don't, right? I get it. You got a family to provide for. So tech, here we are. We're at the end of the episode or something like that. We end it when we want. Right. Pretty much. What, what do you take away from this? What, what is your takeaway from this episode? Now that you've heard our perspective on this, what, what do you come back for with? I think any dealership technician or independent technician like me that's thinking about how they can quit where they're at and start their own shop will have learned a lot from this episode about the ins and outs. And as far as keeping new technicians, like from what I've noticed when we hire a new guy, we don't train them. Yep. That's the main thing. They just throw them in there. When I, I worked for a, uh, what am I going to say here? A, uh, foreign deal dealership. I was there for 17 years and then I left because they were making us work Sundays and three Saturdays a month. Oh yeah. That's, that's why I left. I I had enough of that, but I went to an American dealership and they saw that I have all these years experience, but I've been working on the same cars, you know? Right. So I went over to that dealership, just got thrown to the wolves every day. I'd get at least six tickets handed to me at a time, six cars. Holy cow. And they just expected me to know what I'm doing. Nobody trained me. It's like, yeah, I know how to turn wrenches, but I don't know how to work on these specific cars. So I broke door panels. I broke all kinds of stuff. So you you have to train these guys. You can't just, the dealership wise, they just hire somebody, throw them at them, just throw them right to the wolves, expect them to do something. You know, you got guys dropping cars off lifts. You know, you're going to, yeah. somebody's going to kill themselves there. It's not a, yep. it's not, it's not safe. just dealerships. The, the independent repair shops do it too. They really? have a guy that comes in. Oh, absolutely. You got a guy that comes in. Now, you know, it's, it's a combination of I'm busy and I need to get these cars out the door. And also the tech misrepresents what they know. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. it, that hits collides in an independent repair shop. And you're handed six tickets and you're just expected to know. And none of them are the same car, by the way. It's a Ford and then a Toyota, yeah, yeah, then a yeah. BMW, then, you know, and they're, they're, Hey, you told me you had six years experience 
at an independent repair shop. It's like, yeah, but I just did alignments and oil changes there. It's like, why didn't you tell me that in the interview? Well, you didn't ask, but whatever, right? <laughs> you just wanted to hear what you wanted to hear. And, uh, and then now what do you do with them? Well, they right. end up firing them or whatever. And then the guy gets hired on an HVAC company and yep. he's gone. Never to come back into the industry again. We're, we screwed We screwed up and he could have been talented. Who knows? But it is what it is. I'm telling you that's happening all the time. Wow. Well, and, and here's the thing. It is A, the young kids, the apprentices, the people who are trying to come into the trade, get stuck on that tire machine, get stuck on the loop. Yep. Bait. Yep. Never get put with an older, more experienced seasoned tech to begin to learn, right? And the the other thing is, is that we've got to train as a whole, right? And And so my message, my biggest message to anyone who wants to start their own shop, slow down. Slow the hell down. Yeah. And go to some management training. Maybe go ahead and hire a consultant or a coach. At least to get, help get you one can, on the phone, a good one. Yeah. Not a to company. To help you configure the business. Coach. <laughs> yeah. Help you configure the business starting out. Learn how it's supposed to be because you, you can't back yourself into a corner with clients. Because they'll always expect that. And so learn from the get-go. Right, go out and attend some training. Go to some some seminars. Find information before you start. Yeah, right. That's that's and good then, advice. Management training before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 build a business plan around that. Start with a business plan. Don't jump out and say, "There's a garage down the street. I'm going to rent that bad boy, and we're going to work." Right. <laughs> that's how we it, think. <laughs> it doesn't work. I right. promise it doesn't work. You yeah. you can struggle for 10 years and make it work, but it doesn't have to be this miserable shit show of a process. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to sacrifice your family. You don't have to sacrifice your marriage. You don't have to sacrifice your, your retirement and your savings. There's a way, you know, look, I tell this story a lot. When... I attended ASTE for the first time. I walked into a class with Rick White and, and it was like he was talking to me. He said, I know you're all stressed out and I know you all have challenges, but if you will listen to me for the next 45 minutes, I promise I can make things better for you because there is a way that an independent repair shop can be ethical and profitable. There is a system, a process that works, and it's not my process. It's a process that's been used for years and years by shops all over the country. It just works. If I had known that five or six years before I went to that class, I'd be a multimillionaire today. Hmm. Right? But instead, I spent years pissing money away. I spent years neglecting my family and my wife. All for this concept of I thought I was helping my clients. Guess what? My clients didn't care. Yeah, they didn't care. They didn't I, care I that you stayed take. late and you missed dinner. Yeah. They no, didn't they, care they that you stayed late to finish that job and missed your son's first birthday. Yeah. They don't care. Doesn't matter at all to them. Yeah. They just want their and, car back. Exactly. And so at the <laughs> end kidding, of the man. day, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> if, if, if you want to do this, reach out and get some help first. Do it the right way. Don't do it the hard way. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and on YouTube so you never miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.